Crying time is wailing time. It's wailing time. the Spirit of God saying we've been quick and laying on hands on everyone else but we need to lay hands on ourselves we've been quick and laying on hands on everyone else those of you right now that you're experiencing some battle with cancer or whatever it is nobody I don't want anyone to lay hands on you right now I want you to lay hands on yourself los que están batallando con cáncer nadie va a poner sus manos sobre usted usted ponga su mano sobre usted mismo porque el fuego cuando llega el fuego consume todo when, a, when the fire of God comes it consumes everything we can't we can't expect for a fire to be lit up and then we we kind of okay just burn over there or burn on Sundays no, no, when it's God's fire, it will burn until everything in his sight is consumed. And so I believe the fire of God is in this room right now. And it wants to consume whatever sickness you're struggling with right now. And I'm, I'm speaking by faith. I'm not, you know, we pray for cancer folks before. And, and the sad part is that we've lost some. We've lost them. And the spirit of God is telling me it's because the church has lost the fire. It still goes through the routines. It goes through the motions. At least it obeys in praying for people, but it's, it's done it at the expense of losing its fire and its anointing. The fire is a representation of anointing, folks. Some of us, we got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we, we've abandoned the fire. And so John the Baptist said, the one that's coming after me, he's going to baptize you in Holy Ghost and... Now, I know some crazy... people that just rely on human wisdom and understanding but have no rhema they try to they try to uh, explain what that means and so many have concluded that the fire there is the fire of judgment that God is bringing I'm sick and tired of getting my commentaries and my explanation from people that have gone to seminary but have never been lit on fire for God they become like the like like the rabbis that wrote the 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 what is it, the, the Talmud or the, the, the Tanakh? Bunch of rabbis, they take the same scripture and they all have a different explanation for it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that already. I want to go to the Holy Ghost. And we're getting these uh, wisdom and this understanding and interpretation of scripture for people that are the product of an assembly line on a, in a seminary but have never experienced fire. How in the world could you give an explanation on a book that was written on fire? and you have no fire now I'm not saying throw away your commentaries I got a bunch of them your dictionary don't throw but I'm saying don't settle for a, a lot of those explanations you need to go to the source of the fire that wrote the book and that's the Holy Spirit and right now I sense that the Holy Spirit is saying many people have been baptized with the Holy Spirit but they have lost the fire or they've never went further the baptism of the Holy Spirit will only keep you lit 
when you add wood on the altar and you add sacrifice. And so we receive the baptism, but we don't want to sacrifice. Right now, if this service extends beyond 12, there's folks in this house that will get fidgety and they want to leave, yet they want revival. When in God's created heaven and earth are you thinking that you're going to tell God how to bring your revival? Bring it to my comfort zone. Bring it to accommodate my schedule. We need the fire, folks. And so, not only the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we need the baptism in fire. And when we do, we're going to pray for ourselves and we're going to be healed. And then, we're going to be a living testimony. We're going to go and pray for others. And cancer is not going to be able to withstand or, 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 or stand against the fire that is in us. Whatever disease, they won't be able to. Dead people will rise, but the church needs to find. So right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we cry out to you, again, I'm not laying hands on no one. You're laying hands on yourself. If anyone is laying hands on you that's not you, you have the right right now to tell them you're out of order. Get your hands off of me. You're laying hands on yourself. And you're saying, Father, just repeat after me, Father, you promised that if I believe in Jesus, not only would you baptize me with the Holy Spirit, but you would baptize me in fire. I thank you for the gift of tongues. I thank you those who have interpretation. I thank you for the gift of interpretation. I thank you for the gift of word of knowledge and wisdom. But I want now fire. So, Father, I release myself. I relinquish myself. I abandon myself to your consuming fire. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, let your fire fall. Not simply on this building, but let it fall in my temple. Burn right now. Burn, Holy Spirit, burn. Burn all impurity. Burn, burn, burn all, all that is con connected to my flesh and his lustful desires. Burn it right now. Holy Spirit of the living God, burn religiosity right out of my fibers. Burn religious rituals right out of my fibers right now. Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn it out. Holy Spirit, burn it out. Burn those suicidal thoughts out of my out of me right now in the name of burn them burn them out Holy Spirit burn them out burn those episodes of deep depression that I fall into oh God that would drive me crazy and would take me to a place of doubting you and doubting the call and doubt burn it out right now in the name of Jesus you know who you are just pray it burn it out depression be consumed oppression be consumed That sense of worthlessness, be consumed right now. Listen, I don't care if I don't preach a message according to what you expect to be preached. God is preaching right now. He's speaking right now. Burn out. Some of you men need to cry to God and say, God, burn out that spirit of machismo. Burn it out. Dígale al Espíritu Santo, quema el espíritu de machismo que lo uso como excusa para actuar como un imbécil a veces y maltratar a mi gente, a mi familia. Come on, just tell the Spirit of God, burn it, burn it, burn it. I had a message up to last night. Well prepared. And this morning, the Lord throws me a monkey wrench. He says, no, it's not what you're going to preach. This is probably the Sunday that I've come the most comfortable without knowing what I'm going to preach. Every Sunday I come in here stressed, knowing, prepared. I have my notes, 
I have my four points and I did my studying and yet I come in here shaking this is the first Sunday I've stood up here no message no four points no outline but I feel so at ease I feel so calm see the problem is that the church has settled for fireless programs and the church has settled for fireless preachers and the church has settled for fireless children's ministry and youth ministries and so we have ministries that entertain and give the culture what they want but are not giving the people what they need and so it is a sad thing Pastor Margie and I were reflecting as God has been he's been wrecking us and messing us up it is a sad thing that most of our children that are born in this church and in all churches they go through our children's ministry for 12 years and at the end of the 12 years of children's ministry all they have is a few verses and a few good stories to share but many of those children have not been exposed to encountering the power of God And so then we ask ourselves, why is it that at the age of 13, my kid was born and raised in the church. Why is it that at the age of 15 and 17 and 18, they don't have any inclination for the things of God? It's because we entertained them for 12 years. And I must confess, the church is guilty of that. And so are you as a parent because you just relied on the church to feed your children. But you were not on fire, so you didn't feed them at home. They weren't being fed at the church. All they were were getting was little snippets of little stories, but they never encountered the presence of God. And so when the world gets a hold of them and all the junk that the media is conveying and pumping into their brains and the games and the videos gets a hold of them, they don't want anything to do with God. They're just waiting to turn a certain age so that because they already have a plan. And you know that the kids that are raised in the church and are not set on fire for God, when they leave the church and they go into the world, they become worse than the sinners. Because they were so hungry for something and what they were hungry for, they never got. So they take that hunger to the world. The devil takes advantage of that hunger and he causes them to gorge. This is not my message. This is his. (laughs) And so we, as priests in this house, and you as priests in your home, the verdict this morning is, guilty but you know what's the awesome part (laughs) that the same one that convicts us refuses to leave us guilty (laughs) the same one that's convicting us right now And it's helping us to understand that we fail in many ways. He said, I won't leave you that way. If you cry out to me, I'm willing to redeem you of your guilt. I'm willing to to, to replace your conviction with fire. So I want parents to come up. If there's any parents back there, come up. Those of you that are waiting for kids, come on. Man, you're getting this. Oh my God, I wish my wife was pregnant now. God, you did it with Sarah. Those of you that are waiting for kids, you need to run up here right now. God is giving you a revelation right now that the church either has ignored or never got for the past 40 years. Because right now, everyone in this room, whether you're from this church or not, you know that our churches are geared around preparing programs that would give the people what they want and would entertain the people and hopefully increase the numbers. But all those programs have come at the expense of fire. They have come at the expense of telling God, God, please, you're only delegated 
a little slot to do what you got to do, make sure you do it within that time. People want, I mean, I've heard of preachers and pastors say, I don't want revival. I literally heard pastors say they don't want revival. But why? Why, pastor? Because I recognize how it messes your life. It messes up your schedules. It messes up. Listen, there are pastors right now that are ready to retire. And that's another thing I don't understand. And they're telling God, God, we want revival, but wait till after I retire. Because they don't want to be made uncomfortable. They don't want anything to interfere with the addictions that they've all embraced, even addictions to ministry. And so we got spineless preachers that get up on the platform or the altar Sunday morning, spineless because they're not preaching the truth. They're preaching motivational messages that are tickling to itching ears. And I must confess that there's been times when I felt spineless because I get off this altar and I hear someone's complain about, oh, pastor, you, you know, you got to be careful how you talk to the people. You know, you, you got to be, you know, what you said, there's some things that you said in the message that were not appropriate. And this is the reason why people come and they don't stay. And so I've allowed myself to become spineless because I've been listening to the people rather than doing my assignment which God has given me which is to speak the truth and to tell the people that unless you get on fire for God you're going to split hell wide open because he ain't having you lukewarm and he ain't de- definitely ain't having you cold if you're cold that means that you're just a, an all out sinner you could care less about God if you're lukewarm you're religious you want to come and you want to put on your little mask on Sunday mornings and come and have a good time in the presence of God and you can't wait. Right now, you're probably thinking of, oh man, I got some stuff to do. I got some people that I'm going to get together. I got some dinners. I got some, I had someone leave from this church because, because they say, well, you know, every Sunday I have a, a custom where someone calls me from California and we FaceTime each other and so I can't stay here because the services are going too long. in the world that's happened I'm sorry I got to sit down but I'm feeling weak and it's not weak physically I'm feeling just like the power of God is on me right now and it's right here in this room right now some of you are feeling what I'm feeling and so what is going on so they don't want fire they don't want revival I'm telling you one thing if anybody is aspiring for this pulpit you got a long time waiting because there's no retiring in myself or Pastor Margie now if God decides to shift us into another realm of ministry it will come through him and in his time but as for now I have gotten no hints that God is shifting us to any part of ministry where we're going to leave the pastor so we plan on being here for quite a long time Because the church don't need young pastors that are relevant. The church needs pastors that are burning like a torch on fire for God. That are like the prophets of old. That though they were old in age, they never got old in their fire and in their spirit and in their passion. That's what the church needs today. We want to replace, amen, the old with the new because we think that the new is relevant, is more relevant. Since when was Jesus relevant to his culture? I feel like I'm preaching now. You can go back to your seats. You can go back. Anyone remember the verse I read a few Wednesdays ago? I think it was Leviticus. It was about Leviticus chapter 6. Somebody look it up. About the burning, the fire, the wood, put wood. Instructions to Aaron. Somebody look up that verse. Leviticus chapter 6. I think it was verse 13. Somebody look it up. Huh? 
We're not sending the children. We're going to just stay here. No, no, keep that away from me because I'm afraid that I'm going to go to the... I'm afraid I'm going to open that thing up and I'm going to just start preaching what's there, not what's here. Thank you, Elder. Thank you so much. That was not to embarrass you. It's just that I, I, I don't want to see the podium right now. Leviticus chapter 6. Which verse was it? 12. Something about, yeah, put the wood and put the and cut the offering and put the sacrifice and then put the wood and you are to keep the fire burning and something like that. Can you read that? You have that? These are the regulations for the burnt offerings. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar, heard throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen on the garments next to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them besides the altar. Amen. Again, I'm sorry. All right, it was, it was verse 9. Leviticus 6, verse 9. Amen. Give Aaron. Okay. It was, let me see, 12. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offerings on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship of offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. This is where we failed. Peter says that we are a royal priesthood. How many are royal priests here? Okay. Now God gives instructions to Moses to give to Aaron and to his children because they were the priesthood that God was establishing to direct the people spiritually in their service, in their uh, gatherings, and their meeting with God. So they had to do some preparations in order for them to make the place ready for God to come. And so God gives him these instructions. And he says, this is the way that you need to do. And so he gives the priests certain responsibilities that he had to do. You're to prepare the altar. You're to lay down the sacrifice. You're to bring the wood. And then once you do that, I'm going to bring the fire. And so we fail because we've, we've asked God for the fire, but we have no altar. I'm talking about you, inside of you. Your altar is in ruins. And even if you prepare your altar, you have not been willing to lay down your life as a living sacrifice. It is a shame. It is an embarrassment what we call sacrifice today. Our jaws should drop. How is it that we take sacred terminology and we accommodate it to fit our whims? And some of us, we came... In here this morning, we say, oh, I'm doing a sacrifice, you know, because, man, you don't know, my, I'm in pain, my body's in pain, and this and that, and so I'm bringing, I'm bringing a, I'm coming this morning as a sacrifice. True for that matter, the only sacrifice God accepts is the sacrifice that's laid on the altar, and that comes, is dead. We're living, but... In reality, we're dead because we're dead in 
we're dead to the, to the world. Alive to Christ, dead to the world. So we, we, we consider the minus things, the minus efforts that we feel that we need to do, we consider them as sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. How many times did you go, you were invited to the park, or you, you were given a free ticket to a sporting event, and you weren't feeling well, or you felt the same aches and pains that you feel every day, and you went and you said, oh, man, you know, I'm, doing, I'm making a sacrifice to come to this game. You know, I'm really making a sacrifice. No, no, no. You shake yourself. You shake your pain. You will go to the medicine cabinet and take uh, 16 uh, Tylenols or whatever. Uh, don't do that, but I'm just exaggerating. Amen. You do whatever you could to subside the pain because you, you, you're going to do something that appeals to your desires. It is something that you love. And so you will do anything and everything, and you will never consider that a sacrifice. But yet when it comes to coming into the house of God, every little thing that we experience is a sacrifice. Do you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? We've taken sacred terminology and we've defiled it. You know that this building, though God does not dwell in this building because he doesn't dwell in, in, in edifices that were created by the hands of man, but in this new time, he's chosen to dwell in us. But this building has been consecrated and in a way has been designed so that it could, as best as it could, be a replica of what the temple was back in the Old Testament. And so we've taken even to describe the things that God has given us as a blessing so that we could come and meet with him, and we've changed the terms. We've allowed the world to influence the church, and now this is no longer an altar. This is a stage. This is a platform for someone to get up and perform or give a good, impressive spiel. spiel. And so not too long ago, the Lord spoke to Pastor Margie and I. We were feeling restless for the last few years since we've been in this church because there was no place really for us to come corporately to pray. And you, you guys that have followed us for 25 years, you know that part of our DNA has been prayer, both personal prayer and corporate prayer. You know that part of our DNA is that every time people walk into the sanctuary, we're coming here to meet with God before we come here to meet with people. And so we have always established a rule. When you walk into the house of God, the first place you want to run is to the altar. Because after all, that's the reason why you came. We didn't come here to socialize. We didn't come here to network. If you came with those motives, amen, you came for the wrong reasons. We came here to encounter God. And so we've always instructed the people, and, and, and we didn't have an altar here. We had a, a, a large, uh, whatever, pulpit up there, and we had a stage up there, and that was fine and dandy. It worked for that season. This is a new season. God said, build me an altar where people could come to pray. And so we are, we are going back to our grassroots. And our grassroots is not the grassroots of Resurrection Worship Center or Cyber DC's church. Our grassroots is the church of Acts chapter 2. When we gather in our homes, we gather in our homes and the challenge has been don't only gather to have social gatherings and events, but let those gatherings and events be an opportunity for you to bless those that you invite. And for them to bless you as they walk into your home. Make sure that you incorporate God, amen, in every aspect, in every realm, in every sphere of what you do, amen. Because after all, he's supposed to be our first love. And if he's our first love, we're willing to do whatever sacrifice it takes, amen, to encounter his presence, to attract his presence, amen, to receive his presence, amen. Just like we're willing to do sacrifices to do things that we like and that we love. You know that Ephesus was a... Was a Great church, man. Powerful. The Lord was impressed with all the work that they were doing. 
And he highlights everything. If you read chapter 2 of Revelation, I think it's the first church that's mentioned there. He highlights all that they've done, man. These guys were doctrinally sound. These guys were, they were having an incredible outreach. They were soul winners. But yet, he tells them, nevertheless, I have one thing against you, and that is that you have lost your what? No, no, let me rephrase that. It's not that you have lost. It's that you have left. Is Aaron here today? Aaron Young, he's not here. Aaron Young is a brand new born-again babe in Christ. Aaron Young came to this church a few months ago. He was brought here by a friend who says, listen, pastor, uh, I'm not taking him to my church because my church speaks, um, they speak Spanish or whatever. Now, that's a good reason. I know there's other churches that send people to other churches rather than bring them to theirs, because, not because of the language, because they have no fire. And so people are, are, are ministering to others out there, and they're saying, listen, I want, I, listen, you need to find yourself a church. Why don't you bring them to your church? You can't bring them to your church because if you bring them to your church, they're going to die or they're going to stay dead. But Aaron Young came to this church. He was brought here. He was in the midst of a crisis. He was at the verge of complete breakdown, came to this church, gave his heart to Christ, Was it this Wednesday? I walked into this place and that young boy embarrassed me. Because I'm rushing in at 6.45. This prayer service was supposed to start at 6.30, so I should have been here at 6.30 as a pastor. But again, I'm telling you, I'm not here because I'm perfect. I'm here because God chose me. But you got to understand, I got many flaws. And I got many areas in my life that God needs to work in. And I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm really surrendering for him to work. So I walked in here. Pastor Margie and I, we walked in here about 6.40, 6.45. And when we walk in, the first thing that hits us, this babe in Christ is in this corner. He's got his hands lifted high. Now, now he's kneeling. He's actually kneeling. Now, granted, he's a babe in Christ. He probably don't even know how to, he hasn't developed his prayer language. He's a babe in Christ. We just got him a Bible. We we're going to give him today. He's not here today. I know he's had some physical issues. And so we're praying for him. He's a babe in Christ, but he was here, hands lifted high, nobody in the room, just Aaron Young and Jesus. Now, you know what I learned? Right now, the devil and demons are more afraid of that kid than they are of many of us that are in this room. Can someone think of the reason why? Right now he's on what? He's experiencing his first, his first what? Now you know how the devil has deceived us, especially us old heads, in criticizing when we see a new convert on fire for Jesus. Many times we try to calm them. Listen, take it easy. Calm down. You know, this journey is long. And it's good that we decide, we need to disciple them, but we're not discipling these kids. We're quenching their fire because we're giving counseling from a place of no fire. We're giving counseling from a place where we ourselves have lost our first love or not lost. No, 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 no. Hold on. Correct me. The word is left because you could lose something accidentally. But when you leave something, that wasn't an accident. That was a choice. Come on. Come on. Those of us that are struggling with our first love, it's not that we lost it. It's that we left it. Now, when you lose something accidentally, there's a possibility and a probability that you will not find it. How many have lost something of value and you've never found it? You know why? You lost it. You don't know where you lost it. But when you leave something by choice, 
Something's happening right here, right now. God is shifting our mindset because we've taken the word of God and we've twisted it. And we've even allowed it to quench fires that God is starting on people that God is bringing off the streets. Amen. And us with our religiosity, we're trying to quench the fire because we've lost our first love. And we've, we've interpreted as though that's supposed to fizzle. And so we're like the church in Ephesus, Elder Tammy and Elder Abby. Great outreaches. We're doing all these, what is it, thousands of pounds of food we're giving in the parking lot. And even praying for people out there. And we're, man, we're having VVS in a few weeks. Whoa. One of the highlights of, of this ministry, and I, I would imagine of many ministries, we're having VVS. And so we're doing a lot of good things. But God is challenging us this morning. And I don't care what your interpretation, your eschatological interpretation of, that, of those, those writings that, that are written to the church, how you interpret it. I believe that there's a representation of every one of those church in every church here in Allentown and throughout the valley. There are people individually that have lost their first love and there are entire congregations that have lost their first love. What is your first love? This is really a, a non-conventional message. So informal that some of you that are addicted to formalities, <laughs> you're not going to feel comfortable today. But right now, I'm not here to entertain your, need, your wants. I'm here to speak to your needs. So if you feel this is too informal for you, I'm not even going to apologize. Get over it. Because it ain't me. Is the spirit of God. What is the first love? I heard it. Jesus. You know what he's telling Ephesus? He's saying, listen, you're doing a lot of good ministry. But you've left Jesus behind. You're doing a lot of good things. But in order for you to return to your first love or go get your first love, you got to remove one of, the, one of the O's from the word good and just leave it at God. See, we've settled. Even in that area, we've embraced the world. And so the church wants to present a good program. you got parents that decide what church they're going to go to based on how good is the children's program. We've had parents come in here and they say, we want to inspect children's church. They've left because the colors are not right. They've left because the decor is not right. They've left because they have not agreed with the curriculum. It's not, uh, it's not intellectually uh, enough for their children. Amen. And so we're trying to tell them, listen, we're not focused on getting your children really intellectually. Yes, we work on that. But we want more than just intellect. We want your children to be set on fire. And the truth of the matter is that for 12 years in the history of this ministry, we've worked good on preparing our children intellectually, but we have Fail them in preparing them into falling in love with Jesus. And so that's, that's really what first love. So anything that rules in your life, that's not Jesus. Anything that is more attractive to you, attractive to you that is not Jesus means that you have left your first love and you've replaced that first love with something that will satisfy you for a temporary period of time, but in the long haul, if you, it will leave you high and dry, frustrated, depressed, oppressed, and if possible, possessed. That's why there's people in the church that are possessed by demons, possessed by the devil, because they've forsaken their first love for so long. They've left their first love for so long that the Spirit of God has had no other alternative because of his rejection. He's been rejected so much that he's pulled back. And when the Spirit of God pulls back, it's not that God sends judgment. It's that he pulls back his covering. When he's pulled back his covering, then we're exposed to everything and anything that's not God. So we want revival without Jesus. 
So one of the churches, he tells them, listen, I, I stand at the door and knock. Isn't it amazing how we criticize the Pharisees and the priests in the temple while Jesus was walking by on a donkey? How could they miss it? How could they miss the fact that God was visiting them, that God was walking? Man, cut your nonsense. We are missing it as well because we're addicted to entertainment. So our churches are are formulated. They're, they're, They're styled after the world. We need a stage. We need a platform. We need pyrotechnics, fireworks and lights. We need to get a rock band up there, amen, with holes in their pants and holes in their T-shirts, amen, and some of them with tank tops, amen, and with caps on the place that's supposed to be sacred. I remember when I was growing up, I wouldn't even dare to go up there to clean that place until I got on my knees and say, oh, God, because I grew up in a church where the pastor was on fire. And every time I saw him up there, he was burning. So I felt, I always equated the fire that was burning in my pastor as part of that place. So I would not dare to go up there unless I pray. Now people get up here and they do anything. We've lost reverence. We've lost, we've allowed the world to infiltrate and we've even changed the terms. Now the church must become relevant. And so we are serving the ancient of days who never changes, never gets old, but yet he must have made a mistake with his church because he doesn't change, he doesn't get old, but we got to keep changing and reinventing ourselves in order to keep the people entertained. And so you got churches that hire, they hire people so that they can Think of marketing strategies because we want to run the church now like we run corporate America. And that's why the church is as corrupt as corporate America. And so we need a a marketing ministry. There's no miracles. There's no sign and wonders. There's no fire. So we might as well get a marketing ministry to market the ministry. That's secular, folks. And listen, I don't care. I was comfortable. We were comfortable here Friday night. The Lord said, Come into that place. I want you to go to that youth room, and that youth room is going to have a multi-purpose. It's going to be the youth room, and it's going to be the upper room. And I said, God, but why would you want to use the youth room as an upper room? Why don't you give them their room and leave one room as an upper room where people could come pray at any hour, and they could stay if they want and sleep here if they want, but just go up there and seek the presence of God. Why would you want to do that? We have so many rooms. Why can't we give the youth another room? And the Lord reminded me, haven't you been asking me to set the youth on fire? That's all right. You don't have to clap for that because some of you don't want the fire. So that's okay. Uh, thank you for the three that, that, that understand what I'm talking about. And so God, what are you trying? And what he told me was, as you go into that room and you consecrate it. And so Pastor Margie and I came here Friday night. We slept up there. Actually, we prayed up there. We only slept like two or three hours. The bulk of the time we were praying and dedicating that room. God says, when you change the atmosphere in this room, every time those young people walk in there, they're going to experience the fire of God. I don't know about you, but I think that's better than video games. I think that's better than pinball machines. Do they still have pinball machines? or They still have those games? Or everything is now, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the basketball that you shoot. and I think the fire of God is certainly more addictive then all that other stuff. And so the Lord had us here Friday night. We're dedicating that youth room. And we say it's going to be a youth slash upper room. And so we're announcing it this morning. If you and your wife or you and your family feel compelled that God wants you to 
Separate yourself from the norm and leave your computers and your TVs and all that other stuff that distracts you at home and you feel God is calling you to a place of intimacy, that youth room is going to become a place where you could come with your family. If you want to stay overnight, if you want to spend a few hours there, just we're going to set it up with a library that only has resources of fire. So there's no, there's no YouTube there that you're going to be watching uh, Rihanna or, or God, God forbid, if you even dare to put something like that, even on your own devices, amen, may the fire of God just burn your fingers. There's no room up there for that, for Beyonce and all those other children of Satan that need Jesus. If not, they're going to go to hell and all, the, all those who follow them will go to hell right after them. First love. We need Jesus again. I've discovered, man, I need Jesus badly, desperately. I sing about him, preach about him, speak about him. But man, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is so far from me. Now shut your umbrella. You should have had your umbrella shut. And you should have gotten soaked with what God is raining upon us this morning. God doesn't want us to have an umbrella. God wants us to have a, what is it, Pastor? What God wants us to have instead of an umbrella, what? A funnel. A funnel takes in water. An umbrella obstructs it. Some of us are too high and dry already. That's why we find it easy to leave this service this morning and go and do the same old, same old. Do you believe that God is speaking so strongly right here, right now? And I got people that are falling asleep right on my face. That's just, and it, it doesn't bother me. It's just revealing to me the condition. Now, you know, you and I know that when you leave here, you ain't going to sleep. You and I both know that when you leave this place, you ain't going to sleep. You already got your Sunday planned out. Yeah, there's picnics planned. There's sports. We're going to go to the park and play volleyball or play whatever it is that you play. There's already, everything is planned out. You already got your grill set, ready, cleaned. When you get home, barbecue time, and we're going to have the family over, and we're going to have a great time, and we're going to watch games or whatever or whatever's on we're gonna you already got your Sunday plan we've even we've even sacrificed the day of the Lord there is no such thing as a day of the Lord anymore but we want revival now we were comfortable here Friday we had planned this day Friday night to stay here a week ago while I was on vacation they called me from a church out of town to go and speak to their leadership. And so I went, I thought there was going to be like 10, 15 people. It was like almost 50 people there yesterday. So we left from the upper room. We left to Lancaster and we spoke to the leadership. Now, check this out. I'm going to finish right now. Well, at least I'm going to finish. I don't know if God is. So just a warning. Just a warning. You know, if, if you want to walk out on him, you can feel free to, if lunch means that much to you and everything else you got planned means that much to you, feel free to walk out on him. I'm staying here until he tells me. But I go to speak to this group of leadership, Deacon, and, and God is already, man, he's been working with me and stirring up. And so he's saying, wherever I take you now, this is what you're going to speak. And so I've been in this thing where God's telling me, you got to redeem that which is sacred. You got to stop calling your worship team artists or performers. These are Levites, ministers of music. We're bringing back. We're bringing back the grassroots of the church in Acts. He's telling me you got to give up the programs, and you got to replace it with the fire. And so, I don't know how that's going to pan out, but those of you that are hooked on programs. I'm just giving you a little red flag warning. There might be, right now, God changed our program for Wednesday nights. There's no more wow right now. God says, turn Wednesday nights into a prayer, worship, and miracle night. 
So that's what we've been doing. We've only had like 20 people showing up. And look how many people are here tonight. But that's okay. That's just a reflection that you fell out of your first love. But I ain't worrying about it. I ain't stressing it. Because while you stay in this house, you're either going to get on fire or you're going to burn right out of here. And God is going to bring Aaron Youngs into this place that are hunger and thirsty for God. I was saying he's, one, he's the most dangerous man in this room because he's still on his first love. As a matter of fact, the devil's doing everything possible to quench that fire. And if we're not careful, he will use some of us to try to quench that young man's fire. And I'm telling you right now, don't you dare. Mentor him, embrace him. As a matter of fact, while you pray for him, pray to yourself and say, God, would you bring the first love that this kid has just discovered? Oh, God, help me to go get it back. You don't know from the mouth of babes, glorious praise comes. You don't know from that child, there's going to be an infusion, a transforming, amen, and trans, transferring, amen, a first love back into you that have lost it. And so he's dangerous right now, and the devil's doing everything possible. You think the devil's worried with, with a lot of the folks that are in church this morning? He ain't even worried, man. The devil's letting us come and worship, and he's even letting us experience a little bit of God's presence, amen. But he's sitting back on his recline, and he's sipping a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, maybe drinking a cup of wine. And he's saying, I ain't worrying about them, man. They, they're going to come out of there, and they're going to go back to the same old, same old, <laughs> because I got them already. So we, many of us in church this morning, I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about in churches all throughout this valley, all throughout this nation. We, we ain't dangerous to the devil. Devil is having a party. He's saying, you go and you have your church. Go and do your little, go through your motions and go, amen, and go through your rituals, which are creating a new rigor mortar, mortar, rigor mortar, rigor mortar, rigor what? Yeah, that's when people die, right? That they start to. You know, just let them have fun. Let them have fun. Let them have fun. They're in a comatose state, and soon they're going to be like. But that ain't happening here. Because God is telling us this morning, we got to go get, and get our first love again. And that first love is going to cost us a lot of what is familiar, a lot of what we've been accustomed to. And some people will leave, but a great harvest will come. Because there's people out there that are hungrier for God than the people in church. There's people out there that are seeking to encounter a man, a divine deity, an entity that's out of themselves. And they, they, the devil has come and he has influenced them. But they're going to come into the house of God when the house of God gets on fire because it's returned to its first love. When we start moving and operating on a fire, programs are no longer going to be relevant. Amen. Because people are going to come because of fire of God. That's why I think it was Wigglesworth. He was called, he was called like a man on fire or something. I think, I think it was him. Yeah, some of those revivalists, they were called, they were, they were like burning preachers. I heard that Evan Turner, who God used in the Welsh revival, I heard that whenever he walked into a town, people that were sitting in the bar their, their, their mugs, I was hearing a message this week that the mugs, the, the mugs would stay glued to the bar. They couldn't lift it up. And those who had the, the mug ready to drink their beer, all of a sudden their arm paralyzed. They couldn't drink it. So they had to drop everything and the spirit of God would cause them to leave the bar and go to the revival where Evan Turner was <laughs> burning for Jesus. And entire villages and towns were transformed because a man chose to return to his first love. And allow the fire of God to burn in him and through him. And it caused people to come. People don't need Hollywood anymore. They got enough Hollywood out there. What they need is a fire burning. An altar burning. And that's going to happen when we're willing to return. And get back our first love. Does this make sense? If it, does, if it doesn't, Holy Spirit of God, let them walk out of here and let them not even fall asleep tonight until this makes sense to them. Make them restless. Take away their sleep until this fire that I'm feeling inside of me and that you're, asking, and you're, that you're calling the church, amen, to come into 
until they don't feel that, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Whoa, hallelujah. Let's just take five minutes and let's just pray in the spirit. Right there where you're at. And when I say pray in the spirit, it could be in spiritual tongues or it could be in your tongue that you understand, but I'm saying let prayers come out of you that you could not have preconceived or premeditated. Just pray in the spirit right now. The spirit of God is going gonna, is gonna to awaken in you a prayer that is relevant, is connected to what you need right now. If it's fire that you need, if it's your first love, right now just begin to pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. You could do it silence at the beginning and then maybe after a minute or so just begin to let it become a, a vociferous cry. I'm not praying for no one this morning. God told me, don't pray for no one. Pray for yourself. And so I'm praying for me. You pray for you right now. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. Because I want more of you, God. We need more of you, God. Enciende un fuego en mi sed, incontenible, incontrolable. Quiero más de ti, Señor. Quiero más de ti, Señor. Enciende un fuego en mi interior, incontenible, incontrolable. Quiero más de ti, Señor. Yo quiero más de ti, Señor. Set a fire, set a fire in the soul of this church that our programs cannot control and our ministries cannot contain. We want more of you, God. We're willing to lay down everything at the feet of your throne so long as you rain fire that burns deep in our soul we're willing to lay down everything at the foot of your throne so long as you rain your fire and it burns deep in our soul set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control because I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more. 
Not only for us, but for the lost, we need more. Not only for the church, but for the nation, we need more. Not only for our gatherings, 